Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Uh, a critical favorite at this year's Cannes Film Festival, where it took the jury prize in uncertain regard, this wickedly funny and precisely observed psychodrama tells the story of a model Swedish family, handsome businessman Tomas, his willowy wife Ebba, their two blonde children, on a skiing holiday in the, in the French Alps. The sun is shining, the slopes are spectacular, but during their lunch at a mountainside restaurant, an avalanche bears down on them. With people fleeing in all directions, his wife and children in a state of panic, Tomas makes a decision that will shake his marriage to its core and leave him struggling to reclaim his role as the family patriarch. We're joined today by the director of the film Force Majeure, that would be Ruben Ostlin. Ruben, welcome to film school. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here, and I uh, want to compliment you on an, on your film for a number of reasons, not the least of which is this is a a, a complex, uh, it's a simple st- storyline, but the complexities that you're able to bring to this is uh, quite remarkable, and uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of writing and direction, but tell me a little bit about uh, the genesis of the, uh, the story behind Force Majeure. Well, first of all, I, I actually started making films uh, when I was skiing. I was making ski films. Uh, so between uh, when I was 20 and 25, I was traveling around in Europe and North America and filming skiing in the winters mm. and editing in the summers. And it was like the kind of ski film, you know, where you just put um, music uh, to images when skiers are trying to do as spectacular things as, as, as possible. And then... Um, I went to film school and was adapted to film school. And ever since, I have, in a way, trying to find a topic or a thematic to uh, have the possibility to get back to the ski resort uh, and let the feature film take place in in the ski resort. And when the idea with the avalanche came up with a father that is like abandoning his, his family and doing something that is really, really forbidden when it comes to the expectations of, of how a man should should react and what a man should do, um, I r- immediately understood, okay, here we have something. It's, it's possible to do this film and use, use this setup as, as, as the base of the film. And um, so uh, the genesis is, is pretty much the, the moment where... where where we got the idea of the avalanche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is obviously a key moment. It, there, a lot of the film plays on expectations, uh, traditional social roles that men and women find themselves um, trying to fulfill, mm. and obviously uh, that's what's that's what's in play here. Um, where so you were you were, as you were. Looking for a, a this set this film set itself up or the story set itself up to be in the in the in the mountains in the ski resort which you're so used to playing. By the way, it's a beautiful looking film. Mm, um, and um, well, tell me a little bit about sort of the the next step in in a in a, in a film like this is uh, the casting of a film. Tell me a little bit about the cast that you were able to draw together here for this. Well, film. I mean. What I do when I do the casting is that I do a lot of improvisations. So I'm trying out 
situations that I know is going to be in the film. For example, when Thomas starts to lie to avoid losing face in front of the dinner guests, mm-hmm. the couple. And um, when I do the casting, I can just compare uh, which actor I think is highlighting uh, this, 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 those actions from the most efficient way and makes it most painful for the audience to watch because I think it's, it's something just about uh, trying to avoid losing face that, that is something that we relate to so much uh, as human beings. And so I, I actually are testing the scene and testing, testing it through improvisation and try a lot of different actors and then, then just compare uh, who I think is performing the best. And so, so actually the script writing and the casting is working a little bit hand in hand because mm-hmm. as soon as someone is saying something that I think is interesting during the casting, I'm just stealing it and putting it in straight into the script. Well, uh, and I just want to, uh, in, in that regard, uh, Johannes uh, Kunken is, uh, he plays Tomas mm. as well as uh, Lisa uh, Kongsley are the, the, the main actors in, yeah. this, in this and they're both very terrific uh, again uh, you know the script writing and your direction the nuances in their performances are just uh, wonderful to watch mm, uh, I want to there's a couple of key scenes uh, yeah. in the film that I think are are now obviously the the scene with the avalanche mm. is is obviously very important but the first uh, the rest first restaurant scene in which uh, uh, Tomas and Eva are having dinner uh, with another couple, obviously an old friend, and and and, and she's with a, a new friend of hers, mm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, there are some just beautifully rendered. This is the first time in the film where Tomas has an opportunity to explain mm. his version of what happened. Lisa, uh, Ebba has her version. She articulates it. Tell me a little bit about what goes into your sort of the that scene itself. Obviously a key scene, but obviously mm. in staging it. Um, well, I can say that I was uh, I was inspired of the captain of the boat Costa Concordia. Mm. I don't know if you heard about that incident. Yes, uh, because he w- ended up being in the social pressure of the expectations on how a captain should react, and he was the first one that abandoned the, the, the ship. And when he was confronted with this, he started this uh, lie, that is, that he he fell into the lifeboat. That's why he was the first one to leave the ship. <laughs> and I mean, that's such a ridiculous lie, and it makes him just end up in an even worse situation. Yeah. And But I think it's really, really human that we are... We are so afraid of losing face in front of each other, so we are, we are, we are trying to push that in front of us as far as possible. And the same thing is with, with Thomas. It's the social pressure that makes him start this lie. He says, you can't run in ski boots. Uh, yes. <laughs> and um, so I, that, that was like the, the core of that scene. And um, I was trying to uh, find out uh, a way of uh, creating um, a believable social pressure so right. I could identify myself. I would also start it to lie when it, when it comes like, like out like this. And also, as you said, they haven't spoken about it before. It's like almost in the beginning, Thomas and Ebba is testing to, together to, to talk about the avalanche. But Ebba can't, can't stand it when he's like putting it like she was the one that got really scared. 
Yeah. So then he has to confront him with, with what he did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, during the avalanche, uh, in the in the very immediate aftermath of this avalanche, as it approaches this uh, this uh, area where what am I trying to say? This deck where they're having yeah. lunch, and it, at first it appears to be something entertaining to watch. And yeah. this is a controlled avalanche, and as it approaches the dining area where they are on this deck, it becomes more and more apparent that this is something that is going to uh, could possibly be cata- uh, catastrophe. Mm. Uh, what I like so much about this specific scene, again, in addition to being the crux so much of the film uh, Force Majeure, is that um, the reactions uh, in that immediate aftermath, the uh, the the looks, these, the, and then throughout the film, again, mm. one of the strengths of your film is it's in the in the way you underplay uh, so much of the reactions and mm. and. And it further dampens down, in my opinion, further dampens down the uh, ability to address it, mm. um, which I thought was just fascinating. Uh, it made it more, a little more difficult for uh, for Emma and Tomas, Emma mm. and Tomas, to confront that. Um, is that what you were consciously going for in the? In, in yes, the... I think so. I think that if if they would have verbalized immediately what they went through. Uh, the, the I'd say the pressure of the film would be much lower. I wanted them to right. um, have a problem to talk about it because they immediately when it ha- when it happens they understand that they, this will have consequences for their relationship. So they don't yeah they don't know how to start talking about it. And um, I'm I'm quite happy with, with with the scene. I actually have to cut out the end of the scene, but I can tell you about it because I'm quite quite happy about the end of the avalanche scene. Just before the avalanche is triggered, one of the kids is saying like, uh, "Isn't there any Parmesan cheese?" And then poof, <laughs> the, the avalanche goes. And you know, before that, Ebba has been very satisfied with her food. She she have offered a taste to Thomas on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And then the avalanche goes, and uh, everybody's panicking, and uh, suddenly it's a blue sky again, and Thomas has to go back to, to, to the table. Yes. And he doesn't know how to break that silence, uh, so he starts eat instead. Yeah. And when he's eating, he's like, mm, this, was, this was also quite good. <laughs> and he offers Ebba a taste over the table, but Ebba doesn't want it, of course. And the children that have detected exactly what have happened between them uh, is trying to, to save their parents. So uh, Harry goes, I can have a taste, Dad. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I was I was really trying to lift up the absurdity of, of the feeling that everybody knows what's going on, but they are almost too afraid or um, there are too much... Two two big consequences that 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 is about to happen, so they don't dare to talk about it. And I and I uh, by the way, I want to remind our listeners um, that we're speaking with Ruben Ostlund, the director of the film uh, Force Majeure. It is a uh, it's it's it is a dram- dramatic comedy. I, I mean, there are enough yeah. light moments in this film. Uh, there's enough moments of coming kind of human foible mm. that are funny, but in my mind. <laughs> It's a fairly dramatic film. Is, is that an accurate <laughs> portrayal? No, I, I guess I wanted it that way. I, I really like films where you can be horrified one moment and the next moment you are laughing, yeah, laughing a lot. And for an example, you know the second dinner scene when the yes. pressure is like the most for, for Thomas and Ebba and, and the other couple. 
just to break that silence with a drone that comes running into the table. And, and I really like when I find um, uh, actions and situations like that. Right, and, and it did. It broke that mood and, and, and it gave Tomas an out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, throughout the film, and again, going back to just the first, uh, the initial, after the avalanche and the initial uh, reaction that Tomas has, mm. throughout the film, it is underplayed, but you continue to ratchet up the pressure mm. on on Tomas and to at least acknowledge it. And I think the second dinner scene, I think what we're, you're talking about is when... Um, when Mats and Fanny are are in the ho- hotel room with him, yeah, and and Mats, uh, who's a friend uh, of the family, begins to sort of try to explain a context in which to give Tomas kind of an an out, mm. if you will. And I'm not even sure if it's right to describe it that way. <laughs> and you know, an out. I think, and this is where it gets real tricky. And this is why your film is going to, well, I'm sure, elicit a lot of after the mm. film discussions. Mm. As Mots tries to describe, this is this hero syndrome that w- that people are constantly, that men are under constant pressure to mm. live up to. But then, I mean, it it goes back and forth, and and I I I help me out here. I yeah. don't think there is a completely right answer to the questions you're posing here. Um, um, I think you are totally right. I mean, I think that what makes it very very complex for the family to deal with is is the expectations yeah. on on the gender of man and also the expectations of who you should be in a relationship the expectations on the nuclear family and it also highlighting that we are living in an honor culture you know we we, we a lot of the time we talk about muslim culture as an honor culture there yeah. like honor killing and and mm. things like that but mm. there's also a lot of honor when it comes to the role of the man and it's a shame for Ebba, uh, in the eyes of other people, that Thomas did this to her. Mm, but if you look at the actions in itself, I mean, he's reacting in survival instinct. And, uh, I mean, when someone does something in survival instinct, can you actually blame them for that? Uh, it's, it's a reaction that comes out of um, a glimpse of a second, and this, this, there's nothing rational about it. And um, mm-hmm. I think that we in the kind of society that we are living in in the western world or for example in scandinavia is that we not very often are uh, put up to to situations like this we don't have any experience of of survival instincts and we don't have uh, that many experience of extreme situations so we can have all those expectations and we they are often based on uh, like the male hero character from from cinema, and I, I guess that the male uh, hero character from cinema is the most reproduced character in in film history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, no, I, I guess there's no no easy answer to it. I, it, it. I guess it's comparable with if someone is cheating on uh, another in a, in a couple, and. Rationally, you could, you can understand it, but emotionally, it have created a, a, a huge crack. Well, yeah, and, and the other part of this is, you know, Abba's character does, does not run from the avalanche. Mm. She stays with her children. Mm. So, yeah, yes, the survival instinct. I, I think, I believe it's universal. I believe that men and women share it. But mm. Abba's uh, overriding di- uh, directive here was to stay with her children. Mm. Mm. I, and so. Uh, again, and I and I, 
it's 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 uh it, it's one of those where one of those situations where yes, and then I see statistics that I got in the in the press kit yeah. about how often men abandon ship. You know, every man yeah. for himself in in, <laughs> in a disaster where women and children are left literally left behind. Mm. And it, there is something about this mm. that is, it's it's such a well. Again, it's I don't know that there's a right answer, and no. and. That's the beauty of force majeure. No, yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's something. It 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 mirrors the avalanche. It mirrors like the struggle between man and nature. Yeah. Between the uncivilized side and the civilized side of of of, of human. And um, yeah, there, there, there's something very fundamental about 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 that issue. Well, and 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 Ebba has every right to ask her her husband. We can speculate about his survival instinct, mm. but it's it's she has every right and should know mm. what was he thinking. What mm. actually was he thinking when he made that decision? <laughs> okay, so I mean, you can say, "Oh well, it was a survival instinct." Yeah, but he. I don't know that I. I'm not sure because he never really. I mean, he. There's a there's a number of scenes. I don't want to give too much away about mm. Force Majeure, but there are a number of uh, there. It's it's you you have to know, and I do think what you you described as you mm. know someone who cheats on a spouse and the, mm-hmm. there is something about the the expectation of of us mm. and the and the responsibility of the me, yeah. and that's what this is about mm. to me. Yeah, I, I I heard a quite interesting saying that is from Iranian culture that is. When the water is reaching the nose of the mother, the baby is put under the feet. So when the water is getting that deep, so you you can't breathe anymore, you're actually putting your baby, your own baby, under the feet so you can breathe. And mm, it's just something that that maybe there's... um, Yeah. Well... I, and 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 I, the beauty of film, the beauty of the, the the this film and so many others, and why I love cinema so much is you've put together a beautiful story of a very loving family. I mean, they mm-hmm. they love one another. They they seem to be, uh, you know, um, they looking out for one another for the most mm-hmm. part. And uh, and a story unfolds in which I can put myself in this story. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure anyone who sees it will, could put themselves in the story and have very different sets of reactions to it. And yeah. and totally, it's such a, and congratulations. I, I mean, I want to once again remind our listeners that the film is Force Majeure and the, the film director is Ruben Ostlin and he, the film won the, the grand jury prize or the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival this year mm-hmm. for un, Uncertain Regard, Uncertain Regard, I was, sort of butcher that I apologize but um, it is terrifically acted and the story itself is just so intriguing mm. and uh, thank you so much for wow. for for, uh, for being here wow thank you and thank you for your questions I really like uh, oh. talking to you oh you're, you're so welcome and I wish we had more time but we don't but uh, I want to also let people know that this is an official entry by the country of Sweden for best foreign film language film uh, it is up for that and and um, all the best. I I look forward to more of your work. And um, uh, thank you for being uh, on Film School. Okay, thank you so much. Take care. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 